Imagine if you could say the artist of this very song is your neighbor. I mean, how cool is that to be able to say Taylor Swift? Oh, yeah, I know her. How do you know her? Oh, she's my neighbor. I see her in the morning when she's taking the trash out in her pajamas. It's that simple, isn't it? Well, that's the beauty of being on this platform and having the kind of producer that Lesejo is because he was able to get hold for us civil litigation and human rights attorney based in the United States, Mr. Kenneth McCallion, who is incidentally the neighbor to Taylor Swift. But of course, it's Taylor Swift who goes around saying, guess who my neighbor is? It's Kenneth. You know Kenneth McCallion? The major global human rights player, civil litigation, that guy. Well, Kenneth heads up an accomplished team of civil litigation and human rights attorneys at McCallion & Associates LLP in New York. He is an internationally recognized expert on various fields in the law industry. McCallion spent the early part of his law career working as a federal prosecutor with the United States Department of Justice, handling high-profile organized crime prosecutions and working on major labor racketeering cases, including some investigations that dealt with labor racketeering involving the construction of, wait for it, in New York, obviously, the Trump Tower and other major construction projects in the New York area. He has also worked on numerous sensitive counterintelligence investigations involving Russian espionage in the United States. And perhaps we need to be a little cautious when we mention these names, given the fact that the, there are a lot of things at stake when we talk about Ukraine, Russia, the United States. But Kenneth also represented Yulia Dimoshenko, the former prime minister of Ukraine, in her RICO case against Paul Manafort and other United States, rather, and others in the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York that served as part of the basis for the Department of Justice and Special Counsel Robert Miller's indictments of Mr. Manafort and Mr. Gates for various federal crimes offenses. Of course, now this is at the height of the Trump administration. Additionally, Kenneth has represented thousands of World War II victims of forced and slave labor in the successful settlement cases and claims against the German government and German industries. He also represented families of the victims of the American Airlines crash flight 587 and veterans of the first Gulf War in 1991. Of course, this is now in the Middle East, who were injured after explosion to chemicals sold to the Saddam Hussein regime in Iraq by various European chemicals companies. We are talking about a person whose commitment to human rights and civil litigation and class actions in that context operating from New York. Mr. Kenneth McCallion, sir, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome to SAFM Viewpoint. You're live to a South African audience. Kenneth? Well, uh, thank you very much for uh, inviting me, and uh, I certainly enjoyed your introduction. I had forgotten I had done a number of those things, so it was good to get a reminder. That's how prolific you. you probably are, such that you might even forget such sterling work and accomplishments you have, particularly in the development of the broader space that is the human rights law. Perhaps let's just have a casual conversation because many South Africans might not necessarily be familiar be familiar with your work and the value this is to international peace and security. If you could please indulge us, Kenneth, his background, what got him into law, and specifically the kinds of cases within the law that he found himself deeply immersed in, cases of great international significance, 
and international law, peace and security import. Yeah, there's a problem there. There's Celebrating. A problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, carry on, Kenneth. We had just lost you there for a moment. Please, please I'm continue. Sorry. My bad. Yeah, I'm actually celebrating my 50th uh, year uh, practicing law. Uh, it's gone pretty quickly. I hope to have a few more uh, left. But um, uh, I really, w I really went uh, into the law. My father was a lawyer, lawyer and also did some human rights, civil rights work. So in a sense, it was a it was a family trade, and um, uh, when I went to law school, uh, I had been a, a community organizer um, in housing projects, um, active in the anti-war uh, effort um, uh, during the Vietnam War, and I also was an organizer with uh, farm workers in California, and every time. Uh, we had a demonstration and got into trouble. People would get arrested. We needed lawyers. Mm. And of course, there's very, very few, if far between, uh, number of lawyers willing to work for, you know, low wages, uh, although the cause is imp an important one and very, very, uh, very just. So I went to law school and uh, after working at a large firm paying off my student loans, I then uh, started working as a federal prosecutor, uh, primarily on organized crime cases, as you mentioned, one of them involving the Trump Tower uh, and other construction projects. I worked uh, in labor racketeering cases and then worked on cases involving Russian organized crime and, uh, and money laundering. Um, I worked on counterintelligence cases, a lot of it involving Eastern Europe. And in that process, um, uh, after I left the government, I represented the pro-democracy opposition leaders in Ukraine and other uh, Eastern European countries. You mentioned Yulia Tymoshenko as one. And uh, I don't want to overemphasize Ukraine, but... Uh, much of my work just over the last few weeks has been uh, not only writing about the um, uh, terrible and horrific uh, assault on Ukraine by uh, the Putin government, but also working uh, with refugees, uh, some of whom I know, to get them resettled in Poland, Romania, uh, Slovenia, and, and elsewhere uh, in Europe. Uh, many of my friends and colleagues, clients, including political ones, have um, decided to stay and fight in Kiev and other cities. So I certainly uh, uh, try and keep my phone and contacts open with them and uh, to pray for them and assist them uh, to the extent possible. I also have a son who's on the Polish border with the U.S. Army. And uh, although U.S. troops uh, are not involved and hopefully won't be involved, uh, if the uh, conflict spreads to Poland and the rest of Eastern Europe, uh, U.S. forces will be engaged there. Uh, but back to human rights, um, uh, I don't know if you mentioned in the intro, but I was recently in, uh, last year we were in South Africa and Namibia, 
relating to the human rights claims of the Ova Herrero uh, and Nama, uh, who were victims of a genocidal campaign by Germany in the colonial period from 1904 to 1915, and were still uh, involved in litigation in Namibia uh, and uh, in the United Nations uh, to get a seat at the table in negotiations with Germany on behalf of the indigenous people um, who were the victims of that horrific genocide. And as you might know, there are also Herero uh, communities in South Africa uh, and uh, we have uh, had the honor and opportunity to visit with them as well as um, uh, groups in Botswana, um, Namibia, of course, and, and elsewhere who are fighting for their human rights and some degree of recognition and compensation uh, for their horrific losses. So uh, I could talk about other cases, but um, I was heavily involved in the Holocaust cases involving the genocide against the Jewish community in Europe. And um, frankly, we had a lot more political support around the world for those efforts um, than we have had uh, for uh, the indigenous people uh, from Namibia. Why is that? Uh, the Herero and Nama. Uh, but we, we see that support growing um, in Germany itself and elsewhere in the world. and. We hope through the United Nations and various other forms that uh, ultimately uh, we will um, win some justice and compensation for those groups worldwide, just as we did for the Jewish communities uh, in Europe. Why uh, you know, don't you get that sense of traction in having if you like, the damages, recognition, and the reparations that were occasioned against the Nama and the Herero people of South Africa, Namibia in particular, versus ultimately what amounts to be the same thing against the Jewish people only under Adolf Hitler. Why has the international community not responded similarly, more particularly with this one that happened first? Of course, I think well, I know what uh, the answer is to that. Yeah, well, I, I think you're suggesting, and I think it's partially true that there is a, a, a racist element uh, to it. One genocide was in Europe, the other uh, was was in Africa. However, um, there are other factors involved, I think. For example, in the United States, and uh, I'm not sure about South Africa or the educational system in other African countries, uh, or or in Europe, but in the United States and uh, much of the rest of uh, Western Europe, frankly, there was little or nothing um, known about the uh, genocide of the Herero and Nama peoples, really till fa fairly recently. It was taught to some extent in German, um, to German school children, but quite frankly, it was largely the forgotten uh, genocide for uh, for decades, and so part of our program is not only a legal effort, but it's an educational effort uh, to educate the world uh, about 
this horrific uh, genocide. There's a chapter in my book coming out, uh, Saving the World One Case at a Time, um, which uh, uh, that chapter has uh, goes into detail about the genocide and the legal efforts to find compensation, and others have written about it as well. Mm-hmm. So, with uh, both myself and my colleagues uh, 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 in the United States, Europe, and elsewhere, we're trying to spread the world word, uh, especially the Herrera and Nama communities extend uh, in Europe. Uh, as you know, in South Africa, but also in, here in the United States. So we have a very strong organization here uh, attempting to spread the word, word uh, establishing alliances with Holocaust-related groups, uh, Armenian genocide-related groups, uh, so that this terrible African uh, genocide will receive the same attention uh, that uh, the other known genocides have received. Isn't it amazing, though, that this is a pattern that keeps repeating itself? The only changes are who the protagonists are and who maybe the victims are. For instance, this is not just uniquely an issue faced by the Nama and the Herero people of Namibia. But if you think of the regime of King Leopold, Belgium, and the destruction and the tyranny he wrought on what we now know as Congo, and the mass extermination of an entire nation and the trauma that is still felt to this present day and age and how the world's response to effectively what amounts to a genocide crime against humanity simply doesn't enjoy the light of day of these institutions that are present day in existence precisely to ensure that we don't have these kinds of tragedies. What do we seemingly not get to learn from history, or even put differently, what is it that time after time is just a recurring theme, a recurring theme that should never in the first place be a theme because it is quite clear that the international community or the international human rights institutions, if not manipulated is the word, are compromised in clearly the patterns of their cases, the patterns of their condemnations, one society versus the other. Well, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, And, uh, for example, you point out the genocide in the Congo. Um, I I have not uh, been involved in that. None of the victims, although I've had some discussions with the victims groups, they haven't specifically asked me. Uh, to become involved in their efforts. Uh, But I think that uh, like uh, any human rights campaign, it has to be approached on several levels, not only legally in the United United Nations and elsewhere, uh, but I think that um, uh, African human rights uh, groups as well uh, have to um, and are starting to look on a more um, you know, continent-wide, African-wide uh, look at uh, genocides. I've been looking at, you know, a slice of it, the Herero and the Nama, and that required a lot of intensive work. But we need other human rights activists, and there are many um, in uh, various uh, of the African countries as well uh, who have contacted us, who have stepped forward, 
uh, to work on these cases. Uh, many university graduates, um, law school graduates in Africa, and uh, particularly we need the energy of the younger generations mm -hmm. uh, who can address this. And uh, those older members of the human rights uh, community, we, we stand by ready, willing, and able to, to assist uh, in those efforts. For those who have just joined us, we are in conversation with Mr. Kenneth McCallion, civil litigation and human rights attorney based in New York City, whose practice McCallion and Associates LLP operate from New York City and Westchester. He is a graduate of one of the great Ivy League institutions, Yale University, after completing Fordham Law rather from Fordham Law School. He has over 40 years experience in, among other things, civil litigation and in human rights fieldwork. Please show him love and appreciation, South African friends and those who might be tuning in from outside our nation's borders. The number to dial is Johannesburg 714-2006. That is plus 2711. 714-2006. Please do engage him very quickly and very briefly. We do have a couple of callers for your attention, please, Mr. McCallion. The first one is KGM, and the second one is Vuiswa. Both of them are calling from South Africa. KGM, first caller, good evening. Good, good evening, Songezo. Good evening to uh, your guest and to my fellow listeners. Just uh, two... Good evening. Thank you. Yes. Um, Mr. McKellie, just, just this one. Why is it that the, the, the atrocities, and I'm coupling this question with what Songezo asked you earlier, as to why the interest seems to be very low when it comes to uh, litigations or even helping Africans in particular. I'm not going to just go with the over Herero, Namas, uh, Damaras or even the, the Congo. I'm just talking in terms of how the international community treats cases that are of African original or African reservation. That's the first one. The, the second one is your country, America, is, is one of the biggest, I would say, perpetrators of human rights. I mean, when it suits America, they, they will talk hum, human rights, they will talk uh, um, uh, all these statutes and organizations that they, they enforce in, in many countries. And without justifying the wrong thing, when I look at what the behavior of, Je of, of Russia right now, uh, the behavior of Germany, which gives overhead or communities a problem to this day, why is it that uh, litigants, uh, seasoned litigants like yourselves, can cannot encourage your counterparts in countries like South Africa, which is very apparent, to to team up with yourselves so that we can take countries like um, Germany, Britain, in the case of of colonialism in Africa, and many others, uh, so that Africans can get what is. To them. Excellent. 
Thanks for taking my call. Thank you very much, KGM. That's the first caller. And suddenly with that call, we have another two callers coming through. Lesejo, can I ask you to cap it there, please? Because this is actually a hashtag Tuesday takeover. After this, it's supposed to be Kenneth taking over, but we are eating into his time. So with respect, ladies and gentlemen, I've got these four calls already through, so I'm not going to take any more, at least not in this segment. Vuyiswa is next from Parktown North. Then, Kenneth, we will have a caller, Aisha from Uppington, who certainly I am not surprised why she would be calling, and Muekesh calling from Johannesburg. Let's go. Vuyiswa, Aisha, and Muekesh. Mam Vuyiswa. Okay, thank you, Sangoza, for taking my call and greetings to your, to your guest there. Uh, you know, this is a subject that needs more time, you know, for us to engage because uh, pre-colonization, uh, you know, and uh, uh, when colonization fell upon us as Africans, uh, there's a lot of ma'afa in Kiswahili, so many genocides. Hence, 2001, in Durban Conference, I was in Connecticut then in the U.S. on holiday because I was at Harvard University. And uh, they, they took back the Arabs and the Europeans and, and, and left the conference because they were told about reparations and compensation for the African people. It, it, it's slavery, it's colonization, it, all this genocide that was committed by the Europeans and the Western powers in the continent. And we need all those things to be addressed because each and every African child born or unborn needs to be compensated for the atrocities committed by the Europeans and in general the Western powers against the African people. So many Maafas genocide. Fantastic. Mamvuisa, much appreciated. Kenneth certainly has made a note of that. Two more callers. Aisha, the first of the two that remain, and then Muakesh. Aisha, good evening. Good evening, Sangeza. 10 out of 10. Uh, good evening to your guests. I am very happy that you are on the air, sir. We would like you to work with Sangeza to take our matters for, for the actions during colonization and apartheid forward. Thank you. Thank you very much for the vote of confidence. I don't know what Mr. McCallion and his team and the funds at their disposal might allow for, but certainly Tumamina is something that I have heard before and I'm more than willing to assist where I can in correcting an obvious wrong in our history and society. Final caller this evening from Johannesburg, Muekesh. Muekesh, thanks for taking my call. and. Um Thank you, Mukesha. Sorry, sorry for mispronouncing your if name. If you can, ju- if your guest can just briefly just also talk about the genocide in the USA, about the Native American people, and maybe about the case of Leonard Peltier of Wounded Knee. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mukesh and Joburg. Mr. McCallion, those are the South Africans who have expressed their views. Please respond to them. Yes, thank you very much for for the insight and the and the comments. Just starting from the back, uh, I have on the uh, atrocities and the genocide of Native Americans. I have represented a number of Native American groups over the years, and uh, we have a long and sad history of uh, genocide in our country, which uh, I and others are fighting to. Uh, have further recognition of that. It's not been recognized in the schools or in the history books, but it is as as bad or certainly um, uh, an equivalent atrocity uh, 
uh, to the scars from uh, apartheid, I, I think, in your country. Um, uh, on the issue of, of why don't we do more with regard to uh, genocides in Africa and uh, in uh, solidarity with human rights groups in South Africa, uh, we uh, have made contact with a number of human rights groups, uh, not just on the Nama and Herero uh, issues in South Africa and other African countries. Uh, human rights is a, is a human uh, problem across the board in many areas of uh, South Africa. Uh, and uh, I was in Namibia not too long ago, and I, I saw not only the scars of the genocide, but of, of apartheid as well, uh, since it, it was part of South Africa uh, for an extended period of time. And um, those scars uh, really continue today. So we have not only our human solidarity, but I think uh, our interest and dedication in human rights across the board. And we stand ready, uh, willing and able, uh, particularly uh, with human rights groups and university um, and community programs uh, that are working on specific uh, human rights, civil rights issues and we look forward to returning to South Africa now that things have opened up a little bit more and uh, and uh, spend some time in South Africa uh, meeting with human rights uh, groups. And we're also talking with some of the victims groups relating to the Congo and elsewhere. So African human rights is is not as high as it should be, but it's rising in the, I think, the recognition and in the perception of the world community, and we hope to continue that effort. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much for those response, candidates as they were. I absolutely would love to continue the conversation because one of the callers has suggested that this conversation certainly needs more time. That was Aisha in Uppington, but I beg your pardon, that was mum voice here in Johannesburg, but we don't have that time because we have invited you actually to take over this conversation with the two guests of your choice. And the conversation is going to zone in on some of the issues that you've already talked to. So without further ado, let's just take a very short ad break there, Kenneth. And then immediately after the ad break, it is in every sense your show. on SAFM. Kenneth McCallion, a human rights attorney based here in New York. And uh, with the assistance of modern technology uh, provided by our South African colleagues, uh, uh, we would like to speak to you for a few minutes uh, from the uh, US organization, uh, members of it uh, here in the US uh, who were victims and families of victims of the uh, Herero and Nama uh, genocide by Germany uh, in 1904 to 1915. I'd like to uh, introduce first uh, uh, Barnabas uh, Katuo, uh, a good friend and colleague. Uh, Barnabas, are you there? I'm here, Ken. Okay, great. Uh, Barnabas, um, yes, yeah, uh, well, uh, grew up in, uh, in Namibia and uh, is a noted architect now in New York, 
but uh, still has a place in uh, Namibia. And uh, uh, I will uh, ask him to talk about that a little bit. But first, let me introduce our um, second guest here from our uh, US-based uh, uh, Herero organization, which is uh, Nagandi A. Uh, Kamatuka, do I are you are you there, Gandhi? Yes, I am. Good, and uh, uh, we would like you to speak as well. Um, and uh, Gandhi, uh, uh, Barnabas, and I uh, had the opportunity to travel together uh, throughout Namibia uh, last year, meeting with Herero and Nama communities impacted uh, by the genocide. Uh, and uh, Gandhi is based in Kansas here. He's a professor there. Um, first, um, perhaps let's uh, start with Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas, uh, just in a minute or so, can you uh, just tell us how you got involved uh, in the, the international effort uh, for compensation and justice uh, for the uh, genocide uh, first genocide of the 20th century by Germany in what is now Namibia. Yes, uh, and you can. Uh, my name is Barnabas Verakatur. I'm a member of the Obahero community here in New York, and I'm a founding member of the Association of Hero Genocide, uh, which is dedicated to educate the world about our genocide and uh, holding the German government accountable for the crime they committed against our people. Uh, thank you very much. No, that's good, Barnabas. And uh, uh, Gandhi, yes. uh, could you perhaps say a few words on uh, briefly on your journey from uh, Namibia to uh, Kansas? Uh, yes. Uh, before I, I get into that, let, let me just say that uh, I became aware of the Bahero and Nama genocide from my grandparents, especially my grandmother. There is a cemetery to the place where we where I grew up, and it's a, a brick wall cemetery. And I used to ask the question, Grandma, what is that? And she would say, after some, you know, trying times, she would finally tell me that is a cemetery. And of course, I knew at age seven what a cemetery was. And I said, so who's buried there? No, those are people who came from faraway land. What do you mean faraway land? No, those were Germans. They died here. They were soldiers. We had a war. My next question was, Grandma, is a cemetery for the Bahara people? I'm sure the Ohio people soldiers died. And she said, no, little boy, you tend to ask too many questions. There is not, you cannot find a cemetery in our land in which our people are buried. You are walking on the ground that is a cemetery of the Vahirinama people. You keep on walking on their souls. They have no final resting place. Then I left Namibia as a refugee. I went through Zambia, and from Zambia came to the United States to continue with my education. 
And I think uh, Ken, you have already talked about it, and uh, my colleague, who's a funding member with me of the Association of the Herald Genocide, uh, Barbara Vera Katu also talked about it. Maybe I said enough, uh, let me stop here for the next question. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Gandhi. That was uh, very moving. And that really leads to my next question. When we were in Namibia, uh, one of the issues, problems we faced is that there are efforts, certainly by the Germans, but perhaps others, to erase the history of the shame by Germany of the genocide. Uh, there were a number of German monuments that we visited, and there is a plaque at Shark Island. But as I understand it, um, for long periods of time, many of the uh, many of the historical spots where um, large groups of uh, Herrera or Nama were killed were really unmarked. And maybe if you or Barnabas could speak to that issue, the effort by the um, Herrera and Nama peoples perhaps uh, to recover and restore uh, at least the memory of what happened so we we have a history and that it's not erased. Yes, uh, let me start it now. I'll let my colleague come in. When we at Chuck Island, was the, the, the notorious uh, concentration camp for the Vajero and the Nama prisoners of war. It was so infamous that uh, upon hearing that you will be sent to Shark Island, people committed Harry Carey. They killed themselves for afraid to being sent to Shark Island because they knew what the result would be going to Shark Island. Now, Shark Island, where you and I stood, that on that area where you saw the plot, it is it is a hollow ground for the not for the overhearing the number of people. But here we are in an independent Namibia that became an independent nation in 1990. 32 years later, you cannot find a monument dedicated to the genocide of the Vajrayana Nama people of significance in Namibia. That is more telling than anything else you need to know. Where the Vajrayana Nama people stand today in an independent nation. The people were decimated by the genocide, the first genocide of the 21st century, of the 20th century, I'm sorry. So this is how we see that if, you go, if your soul was never touched by the genocide, you can never really understand the pain that the overhearing number of people feel today. And that's why, because you cannot understand the pain, you cannot feel the pain, this is what led to the bogus, nonsensical joint declaration that was raised between the German government and the Indian government. Because the Indian representatives are people who don't have, whose soul was never touched. They can never feel it, and they cannot understand our pain. Where are come in, please? I'll stop here. Yeah, just to, uh, 
just to add a little bit uh, to what uh, Godi just said, let uh, me remember and why people believe the Namibian government today is a denier of the Nama and Rahiro people genocide. We are talking about the first genocide of the 20th century which took place in Namibia over 400 and something years ago. And even the African government right, now allows itself as the German government to deny the ever executed genocide in Namibia. How can you just turn and in a death camp into a vacation uh, place? Now, Shaka Island is like a, a vacation haven for for Malaysian famous. Looking around on the whole on the, on the ground where the Naman rights people were killed at the head of the German soldiers and the German officials. And at the same point, I mentioned that the body said, how can someone who's denying the genocide representing you against Germany in the reparation negotiation process? And that's why we rejected the agreement between the two governments, which was in violation, not only of the approved proposed motion by the Hyderabad government and by, by, by all the Hyderabad people in the middle in 2006 without the amendment, it is also in violation of the United Nations Declaration of the Right of the Indigenous People, which is signed by both governments. Well, thank you. thank you very much. Um, our time is uh, somewhat running. I don't know if there uh, were any questions that came in or we can continue the discussion. Um, there is a question. There are, in fact, uh, a sure. few questions. Let me just read the messages that have come through from our listeners. The first one, good evening, Songezo, and your guest and the team. The question is, what role did Chief Hosea Kutako play in the fight against German colonial rule? That is from one of our listeners. His name is Donald. I'm going to try and read another one that is a little more abbreviated. Good evening to you and your distinguished guests. Does your organization identify with the gross human rights violations in Palestine since 1947? the unlawful invasion of Iraq, the 20 wasted years in Afghanistan. Thank you. Have a great evening. That is Chapter 2. Two questions. You can decide how you will distribute them with your listenership, Kenneth. Uh, sure. Uh, Ken, let me take... Yeah, please, yes, Ken, please go ahead. Me. When it comes to history, I defer to you. Yes. Uh, let me take the, the question on Jose Akutako. Jose Akutako was born in 1870, and he died in 1970. He fought in the war against the German uh, colonialists. He was captured and kept in a concentration camp next to uh, the town of Kalkfeld. In the Sierra language, you call it Omurambawanjo. Uh, and then he, got, he was the first petitioner from the former Southwest Africa to the United Nations. They have a statue of him in the building of the United Nations uh, in New York. He died with a bullet in his cheek, which was never removed from the war. When he escaped from the concentration camp, 
he lived in the Erongo Mountains range in Namibia until he was able to start his people to recollect, uh, to reconstitute and continue with the fight. So he's, uh, in my view, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, when you talk about the father of the nation, the founding father of the nation of Namibia, should be no none other than Hosea Komombu Kutako. And before I let uh, my colleagues and I think Ken might jump in on the other question, Sarah, let me just say that uh, I do this because it's in my soul. And with my deepest respect and reverence for our people and legacy, we shall stay the course. I'm talking about my overhero and I'm a people in South Africa as well. In the area of Nepalale, Freiburg, in Botswana, in Namibia, or in Europe, North America, Oceania, and Australia. So we shall stay the course. And do please know that uh, hope springs eternal. I'll stop here and I'll let my colleague, you know, chime in. Well, thank you very much, Gandhi. And uh, I think as you've expressed, uh, we work in solidarity to the extent possible, really, with uh, all just human rights causes, but we particularly focused on the suppression uh, and genocide of indigenous peoples uh, in Africa and elsewhere as well. Uh, human rights uh, issues are broader than that, but we, in order to accomplish um, and make progress, we have focused uh, on uh, the particular issues relating to, at least for purposes of this discussion, uh, Herero and Nama issues, but seek solidarity and work with really all uh, well-intentioned and uh, enlightened uh, peoples in favor of human rights. And we work uh, with all groups worldwide, but uh, there, there's a limit to what our time and efforts uh, but we certainly, uh, uh, particularly with regard to ind indigenous peoples in the U.S. and elsewhere uh, and in Africa, that is our primary focus. Uh, I'm going to switch now to a second Zoom link because I think we're out of time. Uh, if you can try and stay on, um, uh, Vera, uh, Barnabas and, uh, and Gandhi. That's great. I'm going to try and switch over and they might give us uh, some additional uh, time to answer questions. I'll be right back. Yes, certainly. I am here just to continue the conversation. Thank you so much there, Kenneth, for the wonderful moderation that you have conducted with our brothers who are now currently based in the United States. I do confirm for those who are joining us or who have joined us after the fact, Mr. Kenneth McCallion is a civil rights attorney based in the United States, particularly in New York, and he, together with his law firm and the organizations I'll refer to very briefly, have done some work, particularly in Namibia, trying to get some corrections done of the dastardly history occasioned by the German people of the 20th century, the early part 
of the 20th century against the Nama and the Herero people, our brothers and sisters from Namibia. And his guests on the show this evening are Dr. Ngondi Kamatuka, who is the director for the Center of Educational Opportunity Programs at the University of Kansas in the United States, together with Mr. Vera Barnabas Katuo, an architect also based in New York. Namibians by origin... Americans now by resident engaging South African people as well as American people in that regard on the history of Germany and the Namibian people, Herero and the Nama. Perhaps a question to you, Ngondi, just in perhaps you might respond in a minute, please, because I'm trying to ensure that we are not running over for the news bulletin in two and a half minutes from now. The question of reparations and the German government, how far are we? from achieving that because ultimately that would be the high watermark in amending the relations between the two nations but more importantly accounting and atoning for this most atrocious history thank you for the question that's a very important question we are nowhere we have not started uh we are we are not uh, as a people we are not uh, afraid to negotiate, but we do not negotiate out of fear. What we are saying is that the the German government has to sit down with us and not dictate to us how the negotiations ought to take place. This is not 1884 or the Berlin Conference, where we do not have the voice. We were not there to... Today... They cannot say we are voiceless. They've chosen not to hear our voices. So we are, we are saying let's start from scratch and start all over again and give ourselves and we can, uh, we can go from there. Do you have a response on that very quickly, Barnabas? Onto the same question, your thoughts yes. in terms of how we should then get to a point where we're sitting at the negotiating table, both equal parties working towards the final solution and not talk about Hitler's final solution, the final solution being reparations and apology and the institutions that come as a result, including but not limited to grave sites, monuments, scholarships, bursaries in the name of the German government in favor of the Nama and Herero people of Namibia. The most important thing is for the Namibian government and the German government to realize that right now they are in violation of the adopted motion of the Namibian government, which was introduced by the Wahiro people in the parliament, the Wahiro Paramount in the parliament, was clearly stipulated that negotiations are supposed to take place between the Nama and Wahiro people you know, and the German, and, and German people and the German government on one side and the Namibian government as a witness to the process. The Namibian government decided totally to take to get that uh, I mean, uh, completed motion on the side and decided to directly negotiate with the German government, only excluding the people, the victims of the genocide. Thank God, the Namibian people totally rejected the approved or kind of agreed upon agreed between the two governments how the process, the agreement that supposed to be uh, agreed upon last year. So far, everything is on hold. What we are hoping for is for them to go back to the drawing board, follow the process the way it's supposed to be, 
so that the number in Wairo people can sit on one side with the government on one side and reach an agreement. agreement. Okay, let's pause there for a moment, please. I'm sorry to have taken over your show, Kenneth, but I just needed to do that whilst you were making the transition between the Zoom links. It is time for news anyway, so let's take the news break for another two or three or so minutes with my colleague, Mudubi. After the news, I'll give you an opportunity to wrap up the segment that essentially has been your show. Here we call it the Hashtag Tuesday Takeover with Kenneth McCallion after the news break. On the viewpoint. Kenneth, we are back. Yeah. We are live, and I'm going to give you an opportunity just to ask one or two more questions to your guests before I ask you, say, in five or so minutes to wrap it up, please. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Uh, this is Ken McCallion. Yeah, we'd welcome any questions, and hopefully, my colleagues uh, Barnabas and uh, Gandhi here in the U.S. Uh, who uh, who come um, from the area and have lived uh, through the consequences of the genocide uh, their entire lives um, can field the questions, or I can as well. So if there are any questions, we'd be happy to respond. There aren't any yet, so perhaps you might just want to continue the conversation, please. Sure. Um, uh, perhaps uh, Barnabas or uh, Gandhi... Uh, Perhaps you could comment on um, our current continuing efforts. Uh, I can mention that um, in our case uh, in the United States, uh, while the U.S. courts decided uh, it wasn't appropriate for U.S. courts to decide uh, the reparations issue, uh, it did make a finding um, categorically that uh, the uh, abuses and the killings of the Herrero and Nama were uh, violations of international law, both, uh, both at the time uh, of, the, uh, of the killings and mass killings and genocide, as well as under current international law. So the, uh, that was an important victory, really, since uh, Germany and other countries have argued that um, the violation of uh, international law known as genocide only occurred uh, really after World War II. Uh, although it wasn't called genocide before then, uh, the, uh, this type of civilian abuses of uh, uh, human rights violations and mass murder uh, were violations of international law. Uh, both under both in the 19th and 20th centuries, uh, so that was an important victory. We're continuing the effort in UN commissions uh, relating to human rights. We're continuing the battle uh, in Germany, and we also have uh, uh, cases pending in the courts and before Parliament in Namibia. Perhaps. Um, uh, Gandhi or Barnabas could um, maybe speak to those uh, efforts uh, that we're focusing on now uh, in uh, Namibia. Then are you uh, there? And what we have focused, yes. What we are focusing now, especially in the U.S., in we are now paying attention to 
the German government, the, the current new government of the Green Party, uh, tried to hold them accountable for the statement they made uh, prior, which was they were in support of the full participation of the Vahiro and Nama people in the reparation negotiation. And what we so far lobbying the German society and the Green Party uh, to totally reject uh, the agreement that's now between the two governments, which is not uh, ratified yet by, by, by both governments. That's our effort right now, just uh, to make sure that the Green Party uh, go back to their motion which they introduced in the German parliament, which they call for the full participation of the non people in any reparation when it comes to the genocide. Um, regarding the court cases in Namibia, it's not set in stone yet, but uh, they are preparing, they are just waiting uh, for the Namibian government uh, to make uh, a decision on the agreement with the, with the German government. So far, they didn't say anything. Uh, as soon as they make their decision, what, they, what kind of issue in the statement, what they are planning to do, I think that we're going to, that we are going to decide what, uh, uh, we, yeah, we, what kind of steps we are going to take. But yeah. definitely filing a case, yeah, filing a case in an Namibian court is uh, definitely it's in, uh, it's in the works. Yeah, perhaps perhaps you could also yeah. mention, uh, I met, uh, had the good fortune to meet with delegates of the Herero communities in, uh, in South Africa and uh, was impressed by the fact that uh, some of those communities had almost... Uh, lost their cultural and language connection uh, with, uh, with the tribes, with the indigenous people, the Ober Herero, uh, still in Namibia, but that those bonds are, are being resurrected and um, there are efforts underway to have the uh, cultural and uh, linguistic uh, bonds between those indigenous uh, South African communities, Namibia and Botswana, forged. Uh, could either of you speak to those efforts? Yes. Yeah. Um, in uh, 2017, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Katu and myself and others were fortunate enough to travel to Nepalese, uh, South Africa, uh, to be part of the 110th anniversary arrival of the Vahero in South Africa. And uh, they, you know, when you talk about genocide, yes, there's killing, but the cultural genocide was very evident with my Ovahera and Nama brothers and sisters in South Africa who have lost their culture, their language. Now they are trying to resurrect and understand, so we're working closely with those communities in South Africa as well as in Botswana. In fact, uh, we're engaged in uh, uh, weekly or bi-weekly lectures that uh, we're doing Every you know, the people from South Africa and Namibia are participating, and I also presenting, you know, with colleagues, supporters in Germany as well. Uh, so uh, we, we believe that uh, the restorative justice that we are seeking is multi-pronged. We also have to educate the world about what happened to the very number of people. So here in the United States, I am engaged with my colleagues in. Uh, campus lectures across the United States. I get invited to, to speak about these issues by other universities, uh, but COVID pandemic has sort of slowed it down, but we still continue to do that through Zoom. 
um, we are not going to rest until justice is achieved. This is what people have to understand. But I want also to say that uh, the goodness of our German brothers and sisters who are supporting us has to be recognized as well. We are not against the German people, but we are very much against the German government that does not respect our being. In fact, Ken, you might want to talk about this. The German lawyer in the court filings did say we had no right to, to be our own people when we invaded Namibia and killed us because we are non-humans. They used the German term intervention, which clearly means you are not a human being. I was surprised that the German lawyer was representing the German government in the court filings included the term, the term that we, we knew about. So, Ken, I don't know if you want to say something about that, but, uh, you know, let me just stop here. No, before Ken come over, I just want to add something to what you just said. I'm going to ask uh, you to wrap it up pretty quickly, that. please, my brother. We are running out of time. I'd ask for five minutes. Okay. I'm sitting on okay. 10 uh, now. Barnabas, Barnabas okay, and Gandhi, right. okay. thank, thank you very much. We're going to try and reschedule. Maybe uh, join our South African colleagues again. Unfortunately, we're out of ta- uh, time at this point. I want to thank you for participating. And I want to thank our South, South African colleagues for giving us an opportunity to uh, speak on this important subject. It certainly is a very important subject, one that we will most certainly be more than happy to follow. And the invitation stands that when you are in the country or within close proximity to us here, you're more than welcome to, in fact, visit us in studios, perhaps, where we might even dedicate an entire show to this very issue, because what has happened in Namibia has happened many places all over the continent, and the lessons from Namibia are lessons and experiences of South Africa in equal measure. To my guests and my brother, Kenneth McCallion, thank you so much for bringing to the fore such an important topic, one which many South Africans identify with. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kenneth.